Um, wonderful. Good morning. So I have the joy of being one of the leaders here. And uh, as Joe said, we're going to continue our preaching series looking at Jesus. Yes. Um, we've, uh, we've been in this series for the last four weeks. I think four weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Um, Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. That's where we are, Gospel of Matthew. So if, if nothing else right now, you can, you can turn to Matthew. Uh, you know where we're going. Matthew chapter 11, there you go. There's a bit more detail. Jesus says at one point, he says, who do you say I am? And uh, he wasn't looking for some kind of validation uh, for, for their response to make him feel better. No, you're doing really well. Yeah, you, 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 you present yourself great. Uh, you're a good teacher. Uh, he wasn't looking for validation. He knew who he is. He knows who he is. He was saying, I wonder, I want to know, do you know who I am? Uh, and so that's the question we're asking ourselves. As we go through this gospel, the gospel of Matthew, uh, we're asking the question, Jesus, who are you really? Um, many of us will come with some uh, maybe preconceived ideas or maybe developed ideas that we've developed over the course of our life being a Christian. Um, and this is an opportunity, this preaching series, an opportunity to say, are our developed ideas or are our preconceived ideas the same as who Jesus says he is as we look at the gospel? So that's where we're going this morning. Um, I would love us to take a moment to, to say, God, I want to believe you. Um, in the room, there's a whole variety of us who have gone through various different life circumstances. And some of that can make us wounded. Some of that can make us cynical. Some of that, maybe not. Some of that, you know, we're thinking, yeah, oh, I believe God is... Um, but we do come, we come to this, we come this morning with different stuff in our hearts, in our background, in our, you know, what's gone on. And so I, w- I would love us to say uh, in our hearts now, um, I want you to say, Lord, I'm going to believe you this morning. Um, maybe you could just do that. Lord, I want to believe you this morning. I want to put my trust in you this morning. I believe that you're good. And that's not always easy. I recognise that. Um, some, some of us in the room were thinking, yeah, that's, that's straightforward, that's easy right now. Uh, but Lord, I want to believe you. I want to, be, I want to believe you are who you say you are, that you're good this morning and that you want to do some stuff. So, so Lord, as we say that, Lord, we do want to welcome you. Uh, Jesus, you are good. You are good, it's who you are. Um, as Luke said earlier, Lord, you are love. Um, and so, Lord, I pray. Lord, I pray, Lord of heaven and earth, would you speak this morning into our hearts as we say, Lord, we're going to believe you this morning, which is a very wise thing to do. Lord, as we say that, whilst knowing sometimes in our hearts we're wrestling with things, thinking that's, that's a difficult thing to do, Lord, I pray by your spirit you speak. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11. We're going from verse 25 all the way through to Matthew chapter 12, verse 21. So that's where we're going this morning. I'm going to read the chapter 11 part, and then we're going to uh, come back to the chapter 12 part um, a little bit later. But this is what it says. Matthew chapter 11, 25 through to 30. Jesus said, At this time, Jesus declared, 
I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So the title of our sermon this morning is Jesus, the gentle Lord. Um, I think in previous decades, this, this has been a bit of a picture that's been painted of Jesus, which is less common now, but I just want to dismantle the myth that Jesus is somehow some kind of white, long, blonde-haired man who cuddles lambs everywhere he goes. Um, <laughs> that's not a picture of Jesus, who is the gentle Lord. Jesus isn't some weird, uber-nice, touchy-feely guy who just wants to reassure everyone he's going to be okay in the end. Um, in fact, at various points, if you read through the Gospels, and the life of Jesus, there are moments where he confronts people. He says to the religious leaders of the day who are leading the people badly, he says, you guys, you're whitewashed tombs. What does that mean? He says, you, look, you look nice on the outside. You present yourself nice on the outside, but inside there's death. Jesus isn't just some uber-nice, white, long, blonde-haired hippie who carries around a lamb all day. Um, he's the Lord. He's the Lord of glory. Um, but gentleness, gentleness is often underrated in our culture. Do you agree? I think gentleness isn't often the thing that, you know, your manager's looking for someone who's gentle. Or, or your mates at school or at college or at university. Um, they're looking for you to be full of initiative, confident. Uh, we celebrate uniqueness. You know, be you. Whatever you want to do, you just be you. Be you well. We celebrate these things. A bit of a, a, a love yourself attitude. Um, you're great. You're just great. Celebrate you. Um, determination. Some of these qualities are good. Determination. Courage. We celebrate some of these things. But gentleness is generally a little bit underrated. Um, like I said, your, your mates or your, or your boss, you're not looking to convince them of your gentleness in those work environments or those uh, learning environments. Not often. They're not often looking to see that. Um, but gentleness is a beautiful thing. In fact, it's those relationships that we have, isn't it, where we uh, in, enjoy someone extending and being gentle towards us that helps us feel, do you know what, this is safe. This is, I'm comfortable here. I'm not going to be mistreated in this environment. He's gentle. Um, I can trust this person. Gentleness is a wonderful thing. Praise God. Praise God that he is gentle with us. Praise God. Just consider that for a moment. The Lord of glory, the Most High, he's gentle with us. So it's a good thing. Say to the person next to you, it is good that the Lord is gentle. Wonderful. It is good that the Lord is gentle. So we come to these verses. Jesus says, come to me. He says, come to me. All who labour 
and heavy laden, burdened. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You're, 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 you're carrying a yoke. A yoke was something that was designed to help you carry something. But Jesus says the yoke, the yoke and the burden that's on it is, is, is not good for you. You're not. This is, I can see you're struggling. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly. The Lord says, I'm gentle and lowly. Yes, wonderfully just. Yes, wonderfully holy. Yes, um, wonderfully powerful, mighty, supreme. But Jesus says, this is what you need to know about the heart of God. I'm gentle and I'm lowly. Lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls in me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Who is Jesus talking to? Well, Jesus was talking to a... Um, a berated, chastised people who, uh, who, were, who were struggling under this oppressive, legalistic regime of following the law that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, had imposed. Something that was good. The law is good. The law was given by God to lead the people. Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about it being a guardian to lead you, guardian, a good guardian to lead you until Jesus' fulfilment, the one who can bring salvation, comes. But this good law, because sin corrupts things and spoils things, in the hands of sinful leaders had become something that was, it was a burden to carry. Because where the law didn't state specifics, the leaders said, oh, this is how you need to, you know, in, in these nuanced scenarios, this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't be doing. And so for the people who are trying to follow the Lord, the devout Jews who Jesus is speaking to, many of whom, most of whom, are thinking, I just want to honour the Lord. They're feeling tired, oppressed by these super spiritual leaders that say, look, follow me, I get it right. But you lot, you're not so good. But you know, do it right and you'll be okay. But they couldn't. And so they're feeling, they're feeling exhausted. They're feeling exhausted. Jesus is speaking to a exhausted people. He says, I know your burden, I know you're weary. Come to me. What's the point for us? I think it's, it's uh, we can take this a, a couple of ways, but it's pretty much identical. If you're a Christian in the room, which is most of us, the, the purpose of, of this is identical for who Jesus was speaking to then and who, who's in the room today. And that is, we can often do this thing where we come having developed a sense of legalism of what it is to please the Lord, of what it is to be a Christian. Often that's just depressing. <laughs> uh, but if you're like the Pharisees, it's, well, this is great because I follow all these rules brilliantly and the Lord will accept me because of that. That's one angle. That's the Pharisee view. But often it's more like this for us. I wonder if this is uh, a way of thinking that you've ever fallen into. The thinking that says, I feel like God is generally displeased with me. I, I need to do better. I need to do better all of the time because most of the time, I've, that's how I feel. I just don't measure up to his standards. I'm not good enough to be accepted by him. No matter how hard I try, I just can't get it right. Or, but this, this area of sin in my life that I'm trying to conquer, I, I, I've fallen into it again. Surely, Jesus says, forgive 70 times 77. And if I add that up, I'm terrible at math. I don't know what that is. Um, but doesn't that mean that once I've gone beyond that, he's, not gonna, he's just going to say, I've had enough. 
I was patient with you, but I've had enough. No, no, Jesus is speaking about you, you go on forgiving. Forgiveness is a thing that you just do. And so it isn't that. It isn't, because I still struggle with this, maybe actually, maybe, he's, maybe, maybe he's just, actually, I'm not saved. Are you weary? Are you weary? Genuinely, are there things in your life that cause you to think, gosh, I'm just weary. Maybe it's this kind of a bit of a legalistic mindset that creeps in. Maybe it's, maybe it's circumstances. This truth that Jesus is talking about, invitating, inviting us to enjoy his rest, is for those who are heavy laden. Are there things that you're carrying you just think, it's hard. It's hard work. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, I'll give you rest. Dane Ortland says these wonderful words. If you've not got this book, um, Dane Ortland, Gentle and Lowly, Please get it. It's a, it's, there's a recommendation from me. This is a great book. Uh, Dane Ortland wonderfully explains the heart of God for his people. Um, it is worth buying and reading, not just putting on your bookshelf. That's no many of us like to do. Dane Ortland says this, talking about these verses. The minimum bar to be enfolded into the embrace of Jesus is simply open yourself up to him. It is all he needs. Indeed, it is the only thing he works with. Verse 28 of our passage in Matthew 11 tells us explicitly who qualifies for fellowship with Jesus. All who labour and are heavy laden. You don't need to unburden yourself or collect yourself, sort yourself out, and then come to Jesus. You don't need to do that. I'll read that. You, you don't need to unburden yourself or collect yourself, sort yourself out, and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. Your very burden is the reason Jesus said, come to me. Um, another quote just quickly for you. If I can find it. It says this. If you are part of Christ's own body, if you're a Christian, you're in his church, the body of Christ. That's how Jesus wants to be connected to you. That's how his desire is to be connected to you. If you're part of Christ's own body, your sin evokes his deepest heart his compassion and pity. He takes part with you. That is, he is on your side. Wow. He sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. Do you hear that? He sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. He's on your side. He hates sin, but he loves you. We understand this, says Goodwin when we consider the hatred a father has against a terrible disease afflicting his child. The father hates the disease whilst loving the child. Indeed, at some level, the presence of the disease draws out his heart to the child all the more. A staggering picture. So what do we know? Jesus doesn't condemn you. If you're feeling weary, berated, exhausted, or just... Or just, or just this legalistic mindset, oh, I'm not pleasing the Lord. Uh, and it grieves my heart, I'm not pleasing the Lord and I want to. Jesus says, I'm not condemning you. I'm not casting you out. Come to me, please, please come to me. Whatever your weary burden is. Just to be clear, Jesus isn't saying, 
let me magic away your problems and then you can go on your way. He's not saying that. He's not saying, um, I'll make your life easier, just acknowledge me. Make me Lord and then I'll, you know, I'll do you good. This isn't some kind of exchange. No, Jesus as Lord says, come to me and, and with me you'll find rest. Why is that? Why is that true? Why is, he, why is he not saying those things? Well, because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. What does that mean? It means out of relationship with Jesus, we can do nothing. And if you want to find real peace, real wholeness, you find it in relationship with Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want rest, if you want salvation, it's with me. He says, abide in me and I in you. What does that mean? Abide is to make your home in. This isn't a, a, a bed and breakfast where you can kind of go, get sorted out, and go, yeah, thanks, and leave. No, he says, abide in me. Make your home in me. Jesus is offering the invitation to say, come to me and I will give you life. I will give you life. I'll give you life back where it's been robbed from you. So I... If that wasn't clear, I want to just make sure everyone knows in the room that that is an invitation from the Lord. He wants to extend to you and me this morning. If you're feeling like whatever you're carrying is too much, Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you, I'll give you life. I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. Take, I'll take your yoke off you and I'll give you mine. And in turn, that will be rest for your souls. Consider that just for a moment. That will be rest for your souls. We go on. Jesus is rest. So let's carry on reading. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through to 21. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of the Lord and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, or for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? They work, you're not supposed to work. They work on the Sabbath and are guiltless. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I deserve mercy. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, the people that Jesus is saying, extending, come to me. These are, they're the condemned. They're the ones who have just been condemned by these guys. You're not good enough. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You wouldn't have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, he'd entered the synagogue. The, the religious leaders are there. Of course they're there. It's the synagogue. They see Jesus coming. They've seen the man with a withered hand. Jesus has seen the man. And so they asked him, oh, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. And he said to them, which... Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? How much, how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it, so it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. 
Jesus, aware of that, withdrew from there. And many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smouldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. What a glorious Lord Jesus we have. What a glorious Lord Jesus. We see this pattern. Um, it's been spoken of already in previous uh, Sundays. But Matthew does. He, he says, look, Jesus speaks with authority. Then his actions authenticate his authority. They go, look, this is, this, is, this is the real deal. He speaks with authority. But he doesn't just speak and not prove it. He proves it by what he does. So the Pharisees see Jesus' disciples picking grain and they go, it's not lawful. You're not supposed to be doing that because in their minds they were picking grain and that's akin to harvesting and harvesting is working on the Sabbath. So they go, Jesus, your disciples shouldn't be doing that. And Jesus says, yeah, but you, David, you love. David was the great Jewish king, the great Jewish king. And Jesus goes, yeah, but David, you let David do it off, yeah? You read through the Old Testament Torah, and you see Jesus, you read about that, it's before your time, you read about that, and you go, yeah, David, that's, you know, it's David, he's okay, he's allowed. And then he says, uh, so, so there's one scenario, and then the other scenario is that you, you say it's okay for the priests to work in the temple, which is breaking the Sabbath, because on the Sabbath you're not supposed to work, but the temple's more important, because the temple's where the, where the presence of God is among his people. And, and I love this. And Jesus says, okay, so you let David off because of who he is. You let the priests off in the temple because it is appropriate that they work on the Sabbath in the temple because the temple is that important. But I tell you, something greater than David is here. Something greater than the temple is here. That's a staggering thing. The Pharisees would have known what was going on. Oh. Oh. You're, you're saying, you're saying, making yourself more important than the temple, only God is more important than the temple. Only the great I am whose presence, who, who, whose very being dwells in the temple is more important than the temple. Jesus says, I'm greater than the temple. And he goes on, doesn't he? And, 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 uh, and he enters a synagogue and the Jewish leaders are there. They see this man. Um, Jesus, what are you going to do? There's a man who needs healing. What are you going to do? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Yeah, but you, you would pick out your sheep from a pit if it fell in. And a man's more valuable than a sheep. I'm going to heal him. What does Jesus do? He, he says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. He says, I'm greater than the temple. And on the Sabbath, he says, I'm going to give this man rest. Extraordinary. Like if you, you see it. Extraordinary. Jesus. Jesus, who says, come to me, there's rest. Jesus gives this man rest. This man who, in an agricultural society, in a very physical labour society, because of his withered hand, probably wouldn't have been able to do a great deal. Or if he did, he wasn't paid the same as the rest because he couldn't do the same. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you rest. More than that, I'm going to give you restoration. Isn't that what it's about? I'm going to restore you. Come to me and I'll restore you. There's the invitation. You want to know where restoration happens? It's with Jesus. 
We live in such a rest-starved world, weary and burdened, don't we? I mean, it, it doesn't, it's obvious. If you just turn, off, turn on the TV and we see any number of holiday destinations, this is where you'll, you'll have a great time and you'll feel so much better if you go here. We have watches that measure the quality of our sleep. I mean, what, what, where have we got to? I don't have one of those watches. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying, wow. But we have watches that say, this, you're, you're not sleeping well enough. You need to sleep more. Or oh, that was a great night's sleep. Well done. You should feel rested now. We have, um, I was reading an article, uh, slightly outdated, but there was an article that said, this is some, these are some things that people do to find rest. One of them was, um, you can go into northern Italy and they will cut fresh harvested hay from the alpine meadows. This, this, I think I'm getting this right. And, um, and it's warm and it's wet. And if you lie there, it's just great. You'll experience real rest. It's just wonderful. Um, there was another one which um, <laughs> it's a bit more strange. It's called adult wrapping. And the adult will go to this, I don't know what it is, a spa or something. And the person there will wrap you in the fetal position, uh, you know, really tightly. It's cosy. Um, they'll wrap you in the fetal position and they'll rock you back and forth. It's just, um, if you've tried this, I'm not knocking you. I'm not knocking you. <laughs> Maybe it was great. Um, but it sounds a bit strange. Um, there was another one and this one... Some people might think, actually, I'd like to try that. This one, um, this, this way of finding relaxation and rest and finding well-being, you know, uh, was if you bathe in grape juice and wine and um, you'll, you'll feel something <laughs> and, and drink it. I'm sure many people who've done this have done that. Um, we do funny things and... Like I said, maybe, maybe they're really great. We do funny things to find rest. We're genuinely seeking. I, I have colleagues, conversation with colleagues regularly. I'm going on holiday again. I'm going to go here. It's going to be great. I'm going to have the time of my life, and I'm going to be on beaches, and I, it's fully catered, so I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to rest. And they come back to work, and within a week, <laughs> talking to a colleague recently, within a week, that whole rest had been sucked out of them. <laughs> and we know the feeling. Um, what, what's, what am I saying? Well, Jesus says, you'll, you'll find rest, like proper rest. You'll find rest in me. And if you're unsure about that, or maybe you're not a Christian here, you think, ah, I'm just working it out. That's brilliant. That's fine. I'm not, we're not going to pressure you to make any kind of decision. I'm just saying, the Bible says, and we believe this is the word of God, Jesus said about himself. That's, that's extraordinary. No one else says this stuff. In me. I don't say this to my colleagues, you'll find rest in me. Uh, do you say that to your, to your friends? <laughs> like, we don't say that. Jesus said, come to me, you'll find rest. Jesus demonstrated rest by giving this man dignity, rest and restoration, value. Matthew goes on, and just to drive the point home, that Jesus is where we find rest. He says, quoting the prophet Isaiah, Behold my servant whom I've chosen, my, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud. He doesn't do that. He didn't argue with the Pharisees. Not, not like that. He's not out to prove himself. 
nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised, wick, a bruised reed he will not break, a smouldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Jews in this day uh, generally understood that prophetic word from Isaiah, who's a major prophet in the Old Testament. This prophetic word, they thought, that speaks about the nation. That's what, that's what that's about. That's what Isaiah was trying to communicate. That's about the nation. The nation of Israel being the hope to the world. The spirit of the Lord is upon the nation. And uh, Matthew says, this, this is about that man who is God in human flesh. This isn't about the Jewish nation. This is about that man who offers a rest from weariness. Jesus' actions authenticate his authoritative words. He is Lord. In him is rest, in relationship with him, in connection with him. He's not a rental property that you can come and go from. He says, no, come, stay with me, abide in me. Come to me, I'll give you rest. He's gentle with us. Praise God, he's gentle with us. He doesn't cast us off. You're not good enough. He doesn't do that. In him is rest. And that rest is comfort. And that rest is reassurance. And that rest is safety. I'd love us to respond. Uh, We'll take communion a bit later in the worship. I'd love us to respond. Why don't we stand at the band when I come up? Um, I'd love us to um, if if you feel uncomfortable doing it you don't have to do it that's absolutely fine Um, but I'd love us to open our hands If if you're just exploring faith, you're not a Christian, you don't have to do that either. But if you love the Lord, or, or if, you, if you know that you want to love the Lord, but you're struggling, just op- please open your hands. And I would love us, why don't you say to the Lord, Jesus, amidst all my confusion, or amidst everything in life, regardless, Jesus, I want to find rest in you. Why don't you say that to the Lord, Jesus, I want to find rest in you. Regardless of everything that's going on, uh, you know, become cynical about that. I thought you were going to help me in that. I just appeal to you to come to Jesus now. Say, Lord, okay, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to go out on a limb, and it's not really. (laughs) But I'm going to believe you. Jesus, I want to find rest in you again. Jesus, I want to find rest in you for the first time. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just, we just thank you. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you're with us. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. I thank you that you're with us. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. And uh, as, we, as we have our hands open, as we think and speak to you Lord I pray that you'd come and fill our hearts Father I pray that we'd understand something more about what it is to find real absolute rest in you that your gentleness calls us home 
And a home, home should be a place of rest. Well, sometimes it isn't, it should be. But you call us home and you say it is a place of rest. Holy Spirit, will you come? Father, I pray that you bring revelation by your Spirit in our hearts, in our minds. Fresh revelation, new revelation, new, new understanding. That in you, that is where we find wholeness. said you'll find rest in me so Lord we I pray now Heavenly Father by your spirit you'd help us find rest now across the room as we come to you and open our hands and say I'm going to believe you I want to find rest in you Jesus would you come thank you Jesus thank you Jesus we're not going to sing just yet I want to I want us to do that there's probably people in the room who are thinking, I don't want to do that. I want you to open your hands and say, God, I want to believe you for this. You said I'll find rest in you. Okay. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. You're wonderful. You're wonderful, Lord. You're the God of mercy, God of all comfort. We just, um, as the band play for another, I don't know, 30 seconds or so, 60 seconds, why don't you just continue speaking to the Lord? We invite you to come, wonderful Holy Spirit. Jesus, put our trust in you, that there we will find rest. In your gentle, invitational, open arms. Thank you, Lord.